what's it say about this team? Just you, you, you just knocked off the two best teams in the West standings-wise, and now you here you guys are. I mean, what Dion said, we coming, right? I mean, it's just a testament. We knew what, what, what potential we had as a team, so we just got to continue this to build and grow each and every day, and uh, you know, keep chase excellence every day. That's right, just like Coach Prime's Colorado Buffaloes, the Riders are coming. They beat the best two teams in the West. Maybe they should be considered one of the best teams in the West. This is considered the best CFL podcast in the world. We are coming. It is the Waggle. And after a outstanding OK Tire Labor Day weekend, that was truly classic. We're going to look back, but also preview four big games for you this week, including Two OK Tire Labor Day weekend rematches. And obviously, Enoch, you got to give us your Dog of the Week. Lord. Reminder for not only Dog of the Week content, but all things CFL. You can find us wherever you're listening to podcasts. Wherever you're listening to this right now, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, CFL.ca, and clips on YouTube. And we'll throw some clips on IG as well. We need constant content for Enoch's stories. Let's go back and tell the story of what happened in week 13, BC, they bounced back from two really tough losses. I think this was a must-win game for them as much as you could have a must-win game before we get to the playoffs. They go into Montreal. They win 34-25. Your Argos can't lose, evidently. Another dominant victory. Five TDs, including A.J. Willett, your boy, throwing a TD pass. I'm not talking about it anymore. I'm just going to let you watch everything that I always tell you about. I'm not going to, I'm not hyping it up anymore. You saw it. You saw it. I did see it. I, I don't know if I needed to see as much. <laughs> I don't know if I needed to see him throwing Listen, a touchdown you, pass when the game was where in that doubt. came from. Let's put it like that. But should you not save that for the postseason or, or another pivotal moment of the season? When you have a plethora of those types of plays, why not? Why not? I don't know, because I never knew that AJ would, like, could throw. I didn't know that he was a triple option QB in high school. And now, every meeting, coordinators are going to say, hey, in this formation, in this situation, we're not just checking run. We're checking the, the run, potentially trick play option. That's right. That's right. And, and we want you to talk about that. We want you to spend time thinking about that and what else and what possibilities could come out of that because quite frankly um like i said i'm not gonna give too much away but there's more that came from okay we'll get into the game later but i do have to ask do you want us talking about the five minute stoppage of play that we had for the celebration <laughs> where thor brought the hammer onto the field then and this is a public service announcement let's call people out because they're all working really hard at their job but when we talk about no time in score in football. That's the case for everybody. So when you're in stadium and you're trying to keep the crowd enthused, if you're losing and losing bad, you can't play dance hall when the other team just had a trick play and they're celebrating in the end zone. Brissett already did like a full dance in the end zone before the Thor celebration. Now I'm looking at the sidelines and Chad Kelly is getting jiggy with it. Doing some dance moves that I have never seen. I, I've never seen them myself. Uh, but hey, 
when you playing like that and putting up 41 points, um, listen, you can do whatever you want on the sideline. We just had the track and field world championships. Mm. And after you win, key is after you win, you'll go to the crowd, grab a flag, and run around the track. AJ went to the crowd, grabbed a sign, was holding it up, and then signed it and gave it back. And the game was not over. We also talk about football about policing your sideline. Enoch, can you police your sideline, please? Uh, it's, it really is out of control. But I'll tell you what, man, that, that only happens when you get to a level of comfort, when you get to a level of, 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 of chemistry where you understand who you are and where you are and the direction that you're headed towards. And it's exciting where we're going as a team. Just, I, like that. I, I can't imagine what club dub was like because it spilled into the fourth quarter. Uh, hopefully you're not too comfortable and that you save the celebrations for the fall. But we're getting close to the fall, especially when these games really matter. And we thought it was a two-horse race in the West. Uh, maybe not. Getting interesting. Jake the Snake, starting on Labor Day, you think there might be nerves. He comes out with a big, big win. Now we'll, we'll preview it, but let's spend some time talking about this game because it's not just about what happened between Saskatchewan and Winnipeg this week. It's how things are set up next week with the return match in Winnipeg and the fact that Saskatchewan could not only cement their spot for third, they could make up some ground on BC and Winnipeg at the top of the West Endings. What on the field in terms of the X's and O's stuck out for you with this performance and really you know, what Saskatchewan has been able to do over the last couple of weeks. Listen, I mentioned earlier with regards to our team, the level of comfort that we're at. And again, this is this is year two. And, and really for most of us is year three under the same system, new coaching staff and everything. So that level of chemistry. And that's what it looks like for Jake Dolagala. I mean, he is just be, he's just recently become a starter in, in Saskatchewan. And now you're starting to see him a little bit more comfortable. Now, he was there last year, but it was a defensive offensive scheme. So this year, it's a whole new scheme. And he was third-string quarterback. And now that he's gotten a back-to-back you know, uh, uh, start, he's looking a little bit more comfortable. And that's what I was able to see. And, and listen, this team is going to go as far as he takes them. He's getting comfortable in the pocket. And you can see that he can throw the ball very well. He has a really good touch. And he was very courageous. I mean, he was taking some hits, standing in the pocket, moving around in the pocket, and still hitting his targets. Um, I loved what I saw. And it's going to take a lot more of that for him to do it again in Winnipeg. You loved what you saw. The question is, how much did you love it? Did you love it enough to send him a anywhere from medium to double XL black t-shirt with your face on it. Who is your dog of the week? A dog of the week this week. I know you didn't think I forgot about that, but it's Jake Dolagala, man. I mean, like I said earlier, he did an amazing job of managing the game, being in the pocket, because again, we're just starting to see just the, this is just the tip of the iceberg for this man. 
And he, we talked about tall quarterbacks not really performing. We got to have Dave Niller on the podcast one of these <laughs> days because he's going to have to tell us a few things because Jake Delagallo wants to talk as well. And he is doing an amazing job of, like I said, he's a tall quarterback. He has great vision. He's seeing down the field. And that's what I liked about it. The, court, uh, the, the offensive coordinator over there in Saskatchewan as well did an amazing job of opening up the playbook. It wasn't just conservative throws. It wasn't just, you know, intermediate throws. He threw deep balls. He threw... Um, you know, intermediate throws, short throws, uh, on target, on point to all of his receivers, and they did a really good job of stepping up when it really mattered. I love – listen, that Winnipeg defense is serious. They got great rushers, Willie J, Jeffco. We know about those guys. Wilson, uh, Big Hill and, and as linebackers, and then you got some DBs that are lethal and dangerous extremely dangerous we got a dog of the week last week already at corner we got rose on the other side listen those guys are dangerous and for dola gala to do the job uh that he did this past week against such a great defense man you deserve it jake dog of the week you got it it's almost like for me he was dog of the bye week not bias in game off bias in two weeks in a row because he, he earned his bi-weekly payment. You look at Saskatchewan, back-to-back -back wins over the Lions and Bombers. So the two teams that they're chasing, they get those wins against them in his last two games, in those two games. 58.9 completion, 565 passing yards, three TDs, but most importantly, zero. INTs. Zero INTs. Zero INTs against those two defenses. That's right. That's right. Took that's... care of the ball. So he gets his first career game-winning drive versus Winnipeg. Someone that we're used to getting game-winning drive performances out of, Zach Kolaros. And, and so as Jake gets his first Labor Day win, Zach gets his first Labor Day loss, I would never have thought that he would outplay, he being Jake, the MOP. McLaren's just had five completions in the first three quarters. It was somewhat interesting to watch whether it was the frustration on how things were going or frustration given the chirping back and forth between Zach and the Saskatchewan D-line or the headbutt heard around the world, which we'll break down. It was frustrating almost to see Zach somewhat out of his element, which is why I want to talk to you about the level of emotion that goes into these games. Whether it was what caused the hit on Zach by P. Robertson, that he was issued a one-game suspension for, and a penalty uh, at the time, but one-game suspension before the league week was even over uh, it was handed out whether it causes or creates an environment for you to not only go up to the line but cross it whether it causes Zach to be chirping in the first place and then react and even really as a quarterback get you somewhat out of your element what are those emotions like dealing uh, with a big atmosphere like that man look the electricity that's I sat here last week and told you about this game every year, how the anticipation just leading up to it, the amount of talk that gets brought up, 
in the city, in the media, in the locker room, in the meeting, we talk about it, you talk about it, you talk about it, you talk about it. And finally, when you get there, you got to start to manage your emotions. I mean, the crowd is going crazy. That is a guarantee, especially if you're a defensive player. It's extremely loud because they don't want the offense to hear what's going on. And so you have to manage your emotions. You have got to manage your emotions. But when something like that happens, I always say, and, and I know when I'm on the field, this is what I always do. KYP, know your personnel. And you know, like, no one is the same. Everybody's unique. Everybody's different. DB, some people have struggles when it comes to managing their emotions and where their emotions on the sleeves, where they have to react to almost everything. They got to say something. You just got to KYP. And I talk to the leadership on every team, really. And I know when we get to a situation, I try to just put myself just a little bit closer to those guys that, you know, usually toe the line and are always close to getting across on the other line where it's detrimental to the team. Because you don't want to hold them back too much, but you want to be able to stop them when they're about to cross the line. And so I'm not putting this on the leadership, but the leadership has a role to play as well in a situation like that. Um, that's that, that that's just the type of stuff that happens. But the, and like the electricity that's in the air, the magnitude of the game is one of the closest things to a playoff and I would only almost say even a great cup game there is when you talk about a, a Saskatchewan game or a Winnipeg game so um there's a lot at stake and uh, it's not easy for everyone to just practice restraint so it's funny because when I watched it play out my eyes were drawn to a couple teammates one being Michael Johnson and his reaction was dog and we're not talking about dog of the week. It was like, dog. You're about to be in the dog house. Like, forget about with the media or the league or the referees. With us. Like, we just worked hard to get off the field. And now we got to do this all over again. And for what? And so the fact that you always have your teammates back. But the fact that his natural response was like, what are you doing? So he knew what was at stake. And he knew how the magnitude of that mistake. And, you know could have potentially lost him that game because of that simple play right there. And so you talk about the Micah Johnson, you talk about the Larry Deans, like they have to step up in those situations. And then on the flip side, you know, Micah has his natural response. And the other teammate I looked at was Brady Oliveira, who was trying to pass block against his own offensive lineman as they were trying to get to – Robertson and get some retribution and Brady's thinking well like let's not make this a compound issue if someone's going to be thrown from this football game let it be him not you that's right the that's retaliation right. always gets you docked we we just stayed on the field let's not stay on it by moving backwards because you threw hands and we got a, a 15 minute uh, 15 yard penalty and also like there's two things here we have to win the battle but also, we have to win the war. We have to see these guys next it's week. Me. I'll say this, too. I'd be remiss if I didn't say this, DV. In Robertson's defense, and I'm not supporting his actions, I, 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 he will probably step up here and say that it was a boneheaded mistake. But I will say this. From a player's perspective who's been in a game like that, whether it's playoff, great cup, uh, regular season, Labor Day Classic, okay, tired of Labor Day Classic. There's a lot that happens during the course of the game. 
This is the end of the game. Again, he was wrong in what he did. Did not control his emotions. But I think that there was a lot of things that probably happened. And I can't probably pinpoint every single thing. But there's a lot of things that probably happened throughout the course of the game that he felt like he did his job and he did, he did what he needed to do. Probably some calls that didn't go his way. Probably some holding that didn't get called. Uh, you know, face mask, whatever it might have been. I'm sure in his mind, he felt like he was justified in nudging or doing something, you know, physical to, to Zach Lars Pro's play. Again, I'm not defending him, but emotions ride high in games like these. And, I'm, and it just went a little bit too far. He just went a little bit too far. It's interesting. I was looking at some of the response online. And a lot of Riders fans, because obviously Bombers fans are going to be upset. But a lot of Riders fans was like, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. The, uh, our bad. Like, that, that is not what we want the game to be about. And you're right. I will say this, though. And I said it last year. And I'll say it again this year. It's a good thing that they won. Because if they did not win... It was about to be... And a big reason why is because that drive was extended. The tenor of the conversation would be totally different. And from an organizational standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, the football... Again, I, I always use these football cliches, but cliches are cliches because they're true. From the coaching world, you're either teaching it or you're allowing it. So we said that with... Garrett Marino, multiple times. We said that with Duke Williams. And now we're saying it with... So, at some point, you have to understand that the game is tough enough as it is to get into the extracurricular stuff, to make it more difficult for yourself in a very competitive West. It's not a good look. So, he won't be on the field... In the rematch in Winnipeg, I don't expect, because of everything that we talked about, we see actions like that coming from that player, from that defense, from that team on the field moving forward, which ultimately is a good thing. You know, absolutely, absolutely. And you, you, you touched on it, right? Coach Dickinson has a responsibility as the leader of that team to make sure that something like this does not happen again. It should not happen again, and if it does... It's going to have to be on him. Well, let's transition to the other coach, Dickinson, because he also got a big win uh, this OK Tire Labor Day weekend. Really big for Calgary because what it did was it snapped their three-game skid and at the same time halted the momentum that Edmonton had in terms of chasing them for a potential playoff spot whether it's that third spot in the west whether it's a crossover spot coming over to the east we got great qb play from both qbs in this game both young qbs in terms of what we saw from the anointed man the mayor of calgary jake mayor or the canadian hope this year trey ford what did you really like man i loved what i saw from trey ford i mean he we're talking about comfort again. I think it's a theme right now, but he's getting more and more comfortable. You can see, I mean, listen, we talked about his elite speed. He was outrunning DBs out there, DB. <laughs> he was absolutely outrunning DBs, and 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 it was it was amazing to see. Now, look, 
as an offensive coordinator, if I were to if I put my coaching hat on right now, you don't always want to see a quarterback that's running all over the field. But what he was doing was impressive. And what I did like when he was running the ball, he was also sliding. So avoiding a lot of the hits that you don't want from uh, to see a quarterback take when he's evading the pocket. But in a, a, a loss, I thought Trey Ford looked uh, really, really well. And um, you know what, Jake Meyer, it was about time for him to have this type of game because he's been uh, – he played like the quarterback that the Calgary Stampeders thought they had from the beginning of the season. I thought by far, at least the, la the latter part of that game, that is who they expected Jake Meyer to be. And so uh, if he's capable and able to maintain that level of play going forward, he's giving his ch a chance to his team because he's got weapons. At receiver, he's got – I mean, a backfield that's one of the most talented one in the CFL and obviously a, a coaching staff that's been there and done that. So they have what it takes over there. I think that piece was the one variable that was not consistent enough. And uh, like I said, the end of that game is exactly what they need. Trey Ford throws for 137, rushes for 135. So almost the same in terms of passing and rushing. He sets the record as a Canadian for most rushing yards in a game ever. You talk about the sliding. To me, in some ways, it's a bit of an optical illusion because I'm used to QB sliding after, like, a five-yard run, not a 50-yard run. Exactly. Like, I don't know if I've ever seen a QB slide so far down the field. Like, at that point, like, try and go house. But I like it. I absolutely like it because, again, when you hold your breath because the quarterback is running, is because, look, I don't want you to take a hit. I don't want you to take a hit. I don't want you to take a hit. Don't take it. Don't. And he is running left, right, zig and zag across the field, running 180 yards to gain 50 and not taking a hit. I'm happy. I'm content. Don't take a hit. And even if you're just gaining five yards, just slide, Trey Ford. Just slide, especially with this season that we're having where we're seeing quarterbacks go down left, right, and center. When you talked about that speed and that he's outrunning DBs, there were a couple plays where he had multiple D linemen, free and clear. Hey, there's a dropped one. It's almost like a basketball crossover. Just drop one. But he dropped one, and there were two others on either side of him and still, still found a way to get away. And I wonder, because, like, it, it's watching him is like an optical illusion. Like, he is just leaving people who are running their hardest. I wonder if that changes in terms of you have a rematch, able to watch tape, able to, able to see him live and in person. You start to take different angles. You start to do different things because you can't really understand how that speed translates until you play. And especially, like, say what you want. There are going to be defensive players who don't know much about Trey Ford. They're looking through the program like Waterloo. Like, what, the Battle of Waterloo? Like, who, who, who came out of Waterloo that I'm supposed to be afraid of? I came from X Power 5 conference. I played against X QB that's in the NFL – and then Trey Ford runs by you. That's right. That's right. And 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 and, and again, there's. I don't believe in moral victories. You, if you watch the post game interview by uh, Coach Jones. Oh man, he said it was one of his worst losses ever. I was like, really? He, you I got think, a lot of I practice this year. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> worst loss ever? Yeah, he's got a, a lot of a lot of a lot of games that he can compare it to. But there were a lot of oh, oh, there, there was a lot of things that happened there. And with Trey Ford at the helm right now. I, I, I'm willing to bet, not on the game, because I can't do that, but I'm willing to bet that Coach Jones is probably, right now, 
regretting the fact that he didn't put Trey Ford a little bit earlier on um, into the game um, as a starting quarterback. Just because when you have a type of player like Trey Ford on the team, I mean, everything could go wrong in the play, but because of his unique abilities, he always gives you a chance. A player like that brings in a tremendous amount of hope to a team. And I tell you what, those guys in that locker room are starting to believe and they're starting to see that, hey, look, we might be better than our record is showing. But Trey Ford is a huge reason why. When you talk about him not starting out of camp, and I, another football saying is preseason is a liar. In camp, especially when you don't have much work, whether it's you know, between teams, whether it's an intra-squad scrimmage or preseason games, some of the plays that we're talking about, the 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 off script plays that Trey Ford is making, you're not going to see those in a scripted practice. That's right. Right. As That's soon right. as someone gets close, whistle's blown. That's right. So you don't see him making those plays that are difference makers and defensively backbreakers, unless you see him in live action. And that's why it, it, maybe they didn't even realize what they had because it's hard to simulate what he can do and bring to an offense. We're spending all this time talking about Edmonton. Edmonton lost the game. We're going to give some love to Jake Mayer. 21 consecutive starts. It's starting to come around. It leads a game-winning drive. The only person happy that we're not spending time talking about Calgary and that game-winning drive is producer Pete. Because when Dedrick Mills punched in the end zone, not only was all of Calgary happy, but producer Kyle was happy. Because uh, he beat Chris P by what in fantasy? Five points? Five well, you, points. You, you can't nod your head. This is a, a, an audio medium. <laughs> no, no, no one sees you nodding your head. No one can hear me. <laughs> <laughs> he said, for everyone, he said, no one can hear me. Well, we, we need to get you mic'd up next week so that you can share your fantasy misery with everyone else who had a bad beat on Labor Day weekend. But... Uh, it is fitting that we talk about these two QBs. And I mentioned Mayer now, 21 consecutive starts, which I had to double check. I was like, really? Has it been that long? But yeah, he's, he's been that guy since your Argos essentially took Bo Levi Mitchell's starting job from him in Calgary uh, last year. Let's rank our QBs, and not in terms of, you know, who's first, who's last, and whatnot, because I don't really feel like you know, seven CFO fan bases flooding my mentions. But in terms of the relationship that that fan base and maybe even that organization has with that QB, because we're starting to see a change of the guard at the position, starting to see young QBs start to find their footing and, and feel a little bit better in the league and in, in the role in the team. But does that mean that we've got the new generation of stars? Let's start out West. Let's go. BC. They said bye to their, their last boo. They were in love with Nathan Rourke, wanted to have a long-term relationship, but he went on to Greer Pastures. But they're still friends. There's, there's no creeping. There's happy, healthy relationship, but they are fully in love, in my estimation, with their current partner, Vernon Adams Jr. He's got the keys to the car, in a committed relationship, the Facebook status between the Lions organization, fans, and the QB is, oh, we're, we're in a relationship. We're, we're, we're good. A hundred percent. They're good. They're good. You talk about Nathan Rourke leaving. And in this, 
in a way, this is this is still something that Nathan Rourke built. So this could be his baby still. They are still in a good relationship. They are really parent co-parenting. How about that? <laughs> They're co-parenting. Wait, what is going on? Are, we, are they swingers? What are we talking about? No, 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 no. They're co-parenting because they, they love Nathan They were showing Nathan Rourke highlights at a game Yes, still. yes. So he left, but they still love him. But the guy that is at the helm right now, uh, Vernon Adams, my man, big play via. He's the type of guy, though, it's just hard to hate him. When he's in your building, he's the type of guy that does the right thing. He does, he comes in early. He leaves it. I'm saying this not because of what I've seen, I've read. I've been on the same team as Vernon Adams. Vernon Adams is a guy that has been in a situation in the shoes of a lot of the young guys, the young quarterbacks here right now. He was a guy also that we used to kind of down and say, man, will this guy ever make it? Will this guy ever be that guy for a team in this league? He was a guy, DB, if you know, if you remember, who was switched, they switched his position. He was a receiver temporarily, but he came back. And I remember seeing his maturation. I played with him in, 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 in when we were together in Saskatchewan. I've played against him when he was in Hamilton. I was with him again in Montreal. And his maturation, the type of player that he is, the work ethic that he possesses, the leadership that he possesses, the ability to galvanize a team and bring guys together, his willingness to give and be a selfless leader is really what allows for this team and this fan base, this coaching staff, really the whole organization, to say that, hey, look, we are in a relationship with Vernon Adams. You talk about that maturation in Saskatchewan. He was behind Kevin Glenn, Brandon Bridge, and essentially was just a sideline hype man. Had a towel, getting the fans involved, rocking Yeezy cleats, but not really playing that much. <laughs> then he goes to Hamilton, and eventually and we talked about, you know, how crazy historically that QB room is when you have Johnny Manziel, Jeremiah Masoli, Dane Evans, and Vernon, and they're like, hey, how about you have uh, some reps with the receivers? How about you get Speedy B to show you your releases? They're saying, you're a tremendous athlete. We just got to get you on the field. We just don't know if quarterback is the position. Yeah, and so he obviously ends up in Montreal and finally, you know, got out the dirt there and becomes a starter there. But now he's in BC, you know, things went sour with the leadership in Montreal. They wanted to go in a different direction. Had to be a backup in BC, came in, humbled himself, learned the program. Now he's the head of the class, is leading. But when I see him post game, win or lose, it's the same. Even to talk about the maturation, talking accountability, if it's positive, it's we. If it's negative, it's me. He's so steady in BC, which is. Great to see. I'm glad that he's finally getting his flowers. They're in a relationship. Okay, let's go to Calgary. Jake Mayer. In a relationship? It's complicated. We're single. This is a tricky one. It's a tricky one. To me, it's complicated. It's complicated for the simple fact that when I look at this organization, when I listen to interviews, when I listen to some of the, the, the players, that they're hyping up Jake Mayer for something that I... I haven't seen yet, but they truly believe, Coach Dickinson and the rest of that coaches truly believe in Jake Mayer. So much so that they even got rid of a Hall of Future Hall of Famer in that building, 
because of who he is and what I think he's definitely must have shown in practices and 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 by the way that he carries himself. Like, yeah, I haven't seen it yet. And in my experience and being on the field with Jake uh, uh, as well, I think it's complicated. I mean, I got two footballs with the Calgary Stampeders logo on it at, at the house. You know, he's he's thrown two to me, and I don't know. I, I don't know if he's there yet. I don't know why we're laughing. <laughs> Just like how I slipped that in there. Yes. But I think it's a little complicated. Now, like I mentioned earlier, after this past game, he kind of showed some flashes of what he could be. But as of right now, to me, it's still a little bit toxic, that kind of relationship. That relationship. So this is the Calgary Stampede QB history. You go in loose order. Doug Flutie, Jeff Garcia, Dave Dickinson, Henry Burris, Kevin Glenn. Drew Tate was in there a little bit. Uh, Kevin Glenn. Bo. Bo Levi Mitchell. And now you got Jake Mack. So, hey, you just have to be the seventh Hall of Famer in our lifetime. Uh, No pressure, kid. And it is tough for him, too, because... Literally, I mean, uh, you know, Huffnagel, Dickinson, for all of those quarterbacks that you talk about, they've been making the perfect calls as far as moving on to the next, transitioning to the following quarterback, and all of the transitions have been absolutely smooth. And And if he has a few hiccups, it's a natural progression of a quarterback. But in Calgary, at least, the Stampeders fans, really the whole league, has really been spoiled by the amount of success that they've been having at the quarterback position over the years. Well, and they could afford to make the transition maybe one or two years early rather than one or two years too late because they always had a full cupboard of people coming. But also, we should mention, they always had a building full of people who understood the position. Wally Bono, George Cortez... John Huffnagel, uh, now Dave Dickinson, but Huffnagel has, has moved on to more of a consulting role. Dickinson takes on the GM role as well as coaching and being part of the offense. So you've got younger people now in the building helping with that position. Dickinson is has multiple things on his plate, and so it, it, it's a bit of a transition period for everybody. And so that's why I say it's complicated. Listen, man, it's actually not that complicated. You lead the league in interceptions with 13. Whoa. That's not, that's not ideal. And so although the promise is there, the production hasn't been there enough for the organization to say, oh, long-term, we're in a relationship with this sort of guy. You're in a relationship now, but the eyes can wander. So I, I think to be continued in terms of the situation you should have had a category toxic because he would have definitely fallen like I said I think that the Stampeders believe in him more than he's shown well let's leave it at that let's go to because I think belief is a big part of it let's go to uh, the other team in province Edmonton Trey Ford in a relationship it's complicated or single man because I'll start go ahead in a relationship yeah there have not been many things to be excited about if you are an Edmonton Elks fan this year or last year or ever since 
you've had the name Elks for a long time. <laughs> One of the few things people are genuinely excited about is Trey Ford. If they were looking to sell season ticket packages for next year, you know who they'd put on the pamphlet? Trey, Trey Ford. Ford. I don't think it'd be Chris Jones anymore. I think it would be Trey Ford. Edmonton is now the Trey area. So I, I think, uh, are there some warts in this game? Sure. Is there some uh, development that needs to happen? Sure. Is he an incredibly young QB who also, let's remember, coming out of U Sports and coming out of U Sports playing at Waterloo, you're playing eight, maybe nine games a year. So the amount of time on task that he's had is just different if, in comparison to if you're in the NCAA, you're playing 12 games a year, you're, you're, you've got spring ball and warmer climates. He is essentially a penny stock that I think they've hit on, but is going to give compound interest over the long term. I think they're in a relationship with Trey Ford. There's no way that they're looking elsewhere, so much so that, remember they restructured and gave some money to a quarterback last year? Yeah. If I'm Trey Ford's representation. It's just a matter of time. I'm saying let's, let's start to open up those conversations. It is a matter of time. We will be sitting right here talking about Trey Ford's future in Edmonton that is solidified. And he, not just an relationship, they are in a committed, serious relationship, DB. Um, they love everything Trey Ford. He was the one that brought them the, the win to stop the streak, the losing streak. He's the one that gave him uh, a back-to-back. -back. I mean, he is the one that gives him hope, simply put. And because of that simple reason, those fans in Edmonton have fallen in love with Trey Ford. Saskatchewan. Sask. Woo! I kind of want to wait a little more, but I've seen enough from Jake. Just enough. I would want to see one more. I'm in between. Right now, I'm in between in a relationship and it's complicated, but leaning more towards us in a relationship. Just because of the fact that he was the one who rallied them against two really good teams in the West. Really good teams in the West. And again, we talked about the magnitude of the game that was the Labor Day Classic, the OK Tire Labor Day Classic out there in Saskatchewan in Regina. The way that he performed, to me, seemed like he was poised. He was calm. And... Uh, Whenever I see a quarterback that it seems like it's something that he can do repeatedly, and that's what it looked like for Jake Dolgala, I think that he is a guy that that fan, that fan base over there as well is falling in love with. And if he's able to repeat that performance next week, oh my goodness, they might he might get a ring and a house and everything in Regina. Dog, they're single. They are single. For, first of all, and, and no, don't get me wrong. He's played well. But anyhow, Trevor Harris is healthy at the end of the year. I think that fan base is like, let's put Trevor Harris in the game. This is a good conversation, for, though. I don't know about that. I baby. do. I don't know about that. Come baby. on now. Right now. Right. And Trevor Harris is my boy. But Trevor Harris has been in the league for a few years. You right now, if you're if you're a coaching staff, if you're front office, you want to start to build for the future. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't agree with that. If you are in football ops, you have two jobs. Two jobs at the same time. Number one job is keep your job. By winning. Number two job is to win a championship. Those are the jobs. Absolutely. So you're, every decision that you make is through the lens of, will this help me keep my job? 
And will this help us win? Sometimes those decisions are not mutually exclusive. And so if we are saying that down the stretch, they got to win a game or they got to go on a run and win three games in a row. And Trevor Harris is out here doing the A's, the B's, the C's. He's feeling good and is ready. You mean to, he said, just give me the Don Joy brace. I'm good. You mean to tell me that they're not going to play Trevor Harris? But you got, you got to remember one thing, DB. If at the end of the season, we're talking about this conversation right now, or we're talking about, hey, Trevor Harris is playing, and we kind of need just a few more games to slide. That means that Jake Dolgal has been playing very well, well enough to keep us in the conversation, especially in the West. Well, or that means that Calgary and Edmonton just didn't play very well. Possibly, but, sure. but they still going to have to win games. And to me... If that scenario comes into fruition, it's a really serious conversation to have where I'd be thinking about, hey, look, let's give Jake that experience that he so desperately needs right now. And if it doesn't happen today, tomorrow he'll be ready for it. But this is not Dane Evans, Jeremiah Masoli, where they both have been up and down. They both have had really high moments. Trevor Hurst has a body of work in this league. And they just brought him there as a free agent and paid him a bag. And I think more importantly, the decision makers, whether it's coach, GM, they don't know if they're going to be there next year. So the way this year finishes is paramount. And you don't have the luxury to be like, oh, well, Jake's going to be our guy for the next decade. And this would be a really great experience. Not for him. decade. But, definitely not decade, DB. I'm but, just saying, but, what, what, his, his, future, his future promise means nothing to me right now. Priority I need to one. win right now. And who gives me the optimal opportunity to win right now? The guy who has seen every single defense, who's been in every single situation, and his... Floor is higher than the floor of the young player who's just learning. You can make an argument based on the fact that he's 6'7", you can make all the throws, that the ceiling might not be as high. But I just I know what I'm getting when I am purchasing the brand of Trevor Harris in, in a big spot against a really good defense. Very cool. Again, Trevor Harris, one of the best ambassadors that this league has had for, for, for some time. But when you talk about Jake Dolagala, you talk about your priority number one is keeping you a job. This is a guy that I think can be the future for him. And I'm not talking a decade down the road, but if I'm end of the year meeting as a coaching staff and you talk to your boss in the front office and everybody, I'm, I'm selling Jake Dolagal. You can be the future. Uh, and the short-term future is going to stay right here and hold this clipboard and chart these plays and stay ready because <laughs> you're one play away. But right now, if we need to win, if it's win or go home, and guess what? We're, we're going to do it with Trevor Harris. Because I know we got to move on. Bruce P is giving us the eyes. But you got to think about the, the fact also that right now, you got Jake Dolgal for cheap. Because he just came in. And yes, you did pay Trevor Harris. But, but wait, wait, wait. why would you not have a guy like a Trevor Harris to be there in case he doesn't pan out like you think he will? You got him for cheap. But does that mean you get three downs instead of four on, on offense? That does not matter how much you're being paid when we step in between the white lines. We need to win games. All that's about the offseason and, and putting together a roster. Once we're in it, especially this time of the year, who's making plays and, and who do I trust? And again, it's not just about what you do, the throws you make. Can you check us out of a bad play? 
Can you call a timeout when we're about to have a play clock violation? Can you can you give a receiver a, a quick sight adjustment when we come out of the huddle because his route is tagged a certain way and he struggled with it all year and we need him in a big spot because of the way the defense is playing. All of those things, Trevor Harris is much more equipped to do at this point of his career than Jake is, which is why. The only way Jake will ever get to the place where he can get comfortable enough to make those checks, make those adjustments, is by being on the field and playing. Remember, so last year he was on the team. Yeah, He didn't sure. play much. Sure. There's he a... was Vajardo running the show. And then whenever he go, he come off and he kind of step in. Coming into this season, he didn't even take that many reps. I know you were. He was, he was, he was third string quarterback. So he wasn't taking reps at training camp, wasn't taking many reps during the game. And all of a sudden he's showing up like this. All I'm saying is Jake Dolagala, like I said, he hits, I'm leaning between complicated and in a relationship, but more so towards inner relationship because oh. those fans, listen to me, we're talking about the fans. What, what relationship do they have with the quarterback? The fans love Jake after bringing him a win against the Winnipeg Bulls, something that hasn't happened in a long time in Regina. You are so philanthropic that you are willing to develop a QB for the next GM. <laughs> That's how nice you are. Riders fans, let us know. We spent a lot of time on we that. We need to hear from the Riders fans. Because I think the other ones are somewhat uh, easy as we go towards the East. Winnipeg, and come on now. Well, we're in a relationship for as long as you will have us. <laughs> so we know that you have a beautiful house north of Toronto and a beautiful family that you want to see. They but might be retired together already. Well, yeah, we, 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 we want Zach in this market for as long as possible. So that clearly uh, is in a relationship. No question. What are we doing by Hamilton? They're single. They're single. <laughs> ready to mingle? They're ready to mingle. They're Thanks. looking. Who, who's out there? Getting some you up texts from, who's out from, there? from other GMs saying, <laughs> hey, man, I got some options for you. You Listen. put my person on the neg list, put my person in high priority in free agency. I personally know, and it, as much of a joke as this is, I know quarterbacks right now that are not on the roster, and I talk to them because they're good friends of mine, that are saying, man, yeah, I've, I've talked to, to Hamilton. I'm... I'm you know, I'm waiting on I'm waiting on a call, and we've had conversations. Now, this granted, this has been you know weeks ongoing, but when we say the Hamilton Cats are single and mingling, it's not a joke. It is not a joke. So it's not just I I, I need you know a, a partner until Bo gets back, and then we're married again. You, you they're all the way single. They're single. I'm telling you, sing they are single. And they are trying to find a partner for a dance that's coming up soon. Not, Big mu dance. not much needs to be said after that. Um, Argo's in, just, just, just in a relationship. They're in the newlywed phase. Really? Everything is fresh. All the jokes are funny. You're not really. I funny dances are happening. Yeah. Oh, they're they're they are smitten. And they're in a relationship. Montreal. It's complicated over there, DB. Wait, wait. Why is it complicated? It's complicated because we're not seeing the production that, to me, they were expecting. They're not seeing the production. Again, Jason Moss, new coaching staff, brings in his old quarterback, saying, hey, look, no, we change environments. Don't worry. Let's move. Let's leave cities. Let's move. We bought a new house in, the, in another market. We're going to do better over there. 
And it seems like, looks like, the same thing that happened in the previous city that they were at is happening again. And so to me, I don't know. I don't know. I actually am surprised you. I think they're in a relationship. Talk to me. Now, not every relationship is created equal. (laughs) Not every relationship is as strong or as committed or as healthy. Fair enough. Especially sometimes the early years with with, with children. It can be trying. It can be stressful. Fair enough. But I think they're in a relationship because I think they look across the league. They look across the neighborhood like, damn, I don't want to be with that partner. <laughs> damn, that situation is toxic. And m- my partner may have flaws and warts, but I know that they love me and I love them. And we'll, we'll ride together for, for now until we don't. So I think they are in a relationship. That's sneaky. Did you just hear what you said? For now, until we don't. Well, I mean, people in relationships get divorced, but their Facebook status still says in a relationship. So, I mean, I'm not saying they're separated, but I'm just saying they're in a, in a relationship that's, that's not loveless, but just, it, it's not as flourishing as some of the so others. So, they're in a relationship the, with the eyes of one. The newlywed phase is not the same as it is in Toronto. What are we doing about Ottawa? Because mo- a month ago, I would have said, oh, they're in a relationship. In a deep relationship, but man, oh, man. I, I think that relationship has been neglected, hasn't it? But I don't, are they? I don't know if they're single. I think they're complicated because has the play made you forget about what you had before? No, not really. But you haven't had a long relationship in terms of playtime with Masoli. There's real pressure to get things right for everybody in the organization moving forward because this was supposed to be the year. But I still think, given the way the standings are in the East, there is time to rectify things. So I guess by default, I, I would say it's complicated. But I, 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 I could see that going either way. What do you think? Complicated. Complicated by default. I think they still like... So not single. A little bit. No, They're not, not single. single. Not single. Um, they still like some crumbs. So Hamilton is single, but Ottawa is complicated. Yes. Whoa. Yes. I think Ottawa is complicated. I think that they've seen some flashes... They, 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 that they love about, you know, dusty football. And uh, um, they're hoping that he'll be able to bring that magic back. Well, it'll be interesting to see if either side solidifies how they feel, pro or con, because uh, they play. We don't have the Toronto-Hamilton rematch like we normally do. Hamilton goes to Ottawa. Ottawa comes off the bye and it's kind of sad they didn't have a labor day weekend partner uh, this year uh it's important to note though teams coming off a bye this year 11 and 3. so given how important this game is both for those two quarterbacks but those two teams this one will be interesting ottawa looking to snap a five game losing streak so that'll be a big one as will montreal toronto first game of a triple header this season. So lots of football on Saturday. This one's at 1 p.m. Eastern. Kicks off a home-and-home. So you didn't get the home-and-home against Hamilton, but you do get the home-and-home against Toronto. You can really body the East. And if not mathematically, spiritually punch your ticket with two good performances. That has to be the focus because then down the stretch you might be able to be a little bit more selective, give some starters, some rest. Although with you guys, you guys are doing trick plays for no reason, so who knows what you're going to do. Uh, how important is this game? 
Uh, I mean, it's extremely important. I mean, that's what we preach about. That's what we talk about. We, coming into the season, wanted to talk about, we emphasized that we didn't want to be uh, talking about the previous year. And right now, we want to stay in the moment and not want to talk too much about what is to come in the playoffs and the Great Cup and all of that. So we're trying to stay in the moment. And yes, it is an absolutely uh, important game this week. And we know that the last time that we played Montreal, we barely got out of Montreal alive. And so uh, we feel like we've gotten better. Uh, again, we talked about our quarterback that we are in a deep relationship with <laughs> in the honeymoon phase has improved tremendously since that time. So we're we're actually quite excited to see how we'll measure up against them after uh, we've played them the first time. Threw into double coverage a couple times, though. It got a little greedy. He was listening to too much DMX and given to the it's honeymoon. It's honeymoon still. Saskatchewan at Winnipeg, Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern. This is the CFL Pick'em, presented by Old Dutch Marquee Matchup. If you're not already playing Pick'em, Head to gamezone.cfl.ca and make your weekly picks. It's one somewhat of a tough pick because of what we saw last week, the rematch of the Labor Day Classic in Regina. You got a prediction for this game? Prediction, huh? In terms of which player on each side has to have a big game? By – it's – not even close. It has to be Jake Dolagal. He's got to repeat the performance that he had last week. He has got to. And as a former dog of the week, I hope that he does that again just to validate this decision that I made this week. Jake Dolagala, if he's able to stand in the pocket, take the hits like he's been doing, and he gets help from, I don't think we talked enough about Morrow and the help that he was to a guy like Jake Dolagala. I mean, that running game was running was was working very well. He was finding his holes and sneaking through them. He's a small guy, but plays like a big player. And uh, you know, the running game played a huge role in that previous game as well. They will need to maintain that as well in order to keep that defense honest and Jake Dolagala to give him the ability to kind of see down the field a little bit. I agree, but I think it's because of what his heart rate will be at. <laughs> First time playing in a big spot on the road, given the emotions of everything that happened on Labor Day, transferring into this game. There's a reason why Winnipeg is 5-1 at home. That is one of, if not the toughest place to play right now because the team and the defense you're going to have to play against and because of the fan base that you're going to have to go up against. So I, I'm really interested to see him taking that next step in his career and you've done it at home against real good teams let's see you do it against a good team on the road calgary and edmonton again another rematch of an okay tire labor day weekend matchup trey ford uh, gets an opportunity after the game that he had in a loss hoping to get a different result this time and then calgary again clawing at a playoff berth or edmonton trying to keep up with the race I think really there's four teams that are essentially playing against each other in the regular season. Edmonton and Calgary, Hamilton and Ottawa. In terms of could we cross over either way? Could we nab the third spot potentially in our respective uh, divisions? What intrigues you about the Calgary and Edmonton matchup that we're going to see Saturday 7 p.m. Eastern? I'm interested to see 
if Trey Ford can repeat, if Trey Ford can beat Trey Ford. Because if if I think if we see him have another good game, again, no moral victories, but he had an amazing game uh, this past week. For him to be able to go out there and do the exact same thing, because I'll tell you what, this Calgary defense is going to be prepared. This Calgary defense is going to be ready. They don't typically uh, get beat up the way that you've seen teams back-to-back, especially because of the coaching staff that they have over there. They have some good leadership over there in, 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 in Calgary on the defensive side of the ball. This is going to be a matchup to see, and uh, I'm looking forward to, 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 to see exactly how Trey Ford is going to react because I'm telling you right now, it's not going to be the same look as last week, and he's going to have to step his game up even more. And for them, if they really want to win, they just got to finish. They got to finish. They had a great start. You just got to finish. You have got to finish. Calgary found ways to lose for a long stretch. They found a way to win. We'll see if they can do that on the road in Edmonton. I'm looking forward to this game as well. Looking forward to breaking down not only it, but all of the Week 14 action with you next week, right here on this podcast. You know what you got to do. Subscribe, whether it's to the YouTube page where you get content like this, plus much more, or listen, wherever you listen to your podcast, Spotify, Apple, our website, and once you're listening, make sure you share it with your friends. Enjoy the games. Thanks so much.